Welcome into another episode of Locked On Phillies. In today's episode, Fangraphs has put out their playoff predictions by percentage. How did the Philadelphia Phillies look according to them? Well, we'll break it down. And also, it's the anniversary of Jatrio Muto's trade to the Phillies from the Miami Marlins. How does that trade look today? <laughs> Pretty darn good, but we'll break down exactly how good it looks. And we're down to number 50 in our opening day countdown. And the player who wore that jersey the best, one of my all-time favorite athletes. We'll get into it on today's episode of Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm Connor Thomas, your host. Thank you so much for checking us out. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Please make sure you're rating and reviewing wherever you consume your podcasts. If you're listening to this in audio form, that helps us reach more listeners. And also, if you're watching on YouTube or if you want to check us out on YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet, that really helps out the channel. It really helps out me. It really helps out the Locked On Podcast Network. So if you enjoy the content, subscribing is the best way to show that appreciation. It gets you notifications when new episodes are posted, costs you no money takes like two seconds. Super easy to do. So if you could uh, subscribe to the YouTube, I'd really appreciate it. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And in today's episode, we're going to break down what Fangraphs has of their playoff prediction percentages. So they just came out with their predictions for the 2024 season. Who looks good? Who looks bad? Division breakdowns, wild card breakdowns, World Series breakdowns, all of that stuff. So shout out to Fangrass for putting this together like they always do. And I'm going to disagree with some stuff in here. But uh, let's go ahead and break it down. So, of course, we're going to focus on the NL East. And <laughs> this is ridiculous right well first of all this should make you feel good the phillies have a 59.5 percent chance to make the playoffs according to fan graphs it's about a 60 percent chance that they're in that's solid right uh when i look at the rest of baseball let's just go over to the entirety of the mlb and i look at the make playoff percentages the phillies have the one two three four five six seventh best odds to make the postseason i mean they're going to be a playoff team. So that's the good news. You feel pretty darn good about the Philadelphia Phillies being in the dance. And the Phillies have proven that if they can get there, they can cause problems for even teams who win divisions, win 100 games. They will take you out. They do not care. So that's good news that the Phillies have a close to 60% chance to win the division, seventh best in all of baseball. But to win the division, what would you imagine the Phillies' percent chance to win the division is? 20%? 15% maybe. The Braves have kind of owned the NL East for a while now. The Phillies, according to fan graphs, are given a 7.4% chance to win the division. The Braves have an 87.8% chance to win it. The, the fan graphs predictions are so high on the Atlanta Braves. More on that in a little bit. It's insane. Would I give the Phillies better than a 7.5% chance to win the division, basically? Absolutely I would. Are you kidding me? This team is stacked. They have a bunch of really good players. And I get Atlanta's good. They have been good. But one of these years, 
you're going to have a down year from Olsen. You're going to have a down year from Riley. They do not just have seven Hall of Famers in their lineup. That I, I refuse to believe that's a possibility. And that's what these guys would be if they continued to do what they do year in and year out. I don't think it's realistic to continue to expect their dominance to continue. Do I think the Braves win the NL East? Yes, I do. I think they're the division champions. But do I think it's easy to the point where they deserve an 87.8% chance to win the division preseason, according to uh, fan graphs? Absolutely not. Uh, I think that's disrespectful to the Phillies and the quality of the roster they put together. So I think that's ridiculous. But uh, either way, I mean, you're making the playoffs. They're saying you probably won't win the division, but let's go to the MLB in general. Let's look at the World Series odds, the big kahuna, the one that everybody wants. This is also what's insane. You saw everything the Dodgers did this offseason. Shohei Otani, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glass now just was announced they're bringing back Clayton Kershaw. Like uh, they And Kershaw is not quite the quality of player those other guys are at this point, but they're just adding everybody, Teoscar Hernandez. Like that team is stacked. Would you believe that they don't have the best World Series odds? <laughs> no, they're not even close to the top team, which is the aforementioned Atlanta Braves. Fangraphs is giving the Braves a 24.9% chance to win the World Series. 24.9. Let's just round that up by 0.1. That means it's a 25% chance to win the World Series. A one in four chance to win the World Series before the season even starts is preposterous. I don't know what FanDuel's seeing, or FanDuel, fan, FanGraphs is seeing. We'll tell you more about FanDuel coming up, but I don't know what FanGraphs is seeing. I don't know how the Braves have nearly a one in four chance of winning the World Series, according to them. But this is a team that's won two playoff games the last two years, has been knocked out by the Phillies both years. They were 100 game winners, but they've not shown playoff success. One win in 2022, one win in 2023. That's it. And then the Phillies ended their season. And yet, you're giving them a one in four chance to win it all? That's crazy. For example, the Dodgers have a 16.9% chance. They're the second highest listed there. That's nearly 10 percentage points of difference between those two teams. Insane. I don't understand that at all. Just to break down some other stuff, um, the Astros are in third with 10.8% chance. The Yankees are in fourth, 7.7% chance. The Twins are in fifth. Fangraphs a little high on the Twins there, 3.8% chance. The Mariners are actually, sorry, that's uh, that's based on the um, make playoffs percentage. Let me flip this over. The Astros are still in third. The Yankees are still in fourth. The Mariners are in fifth with a 4.6% chance to win the World Series. The Rays are in sixth, 4.3% chance. And then it's the Twins in sixth, or sorry, seventh, the Orioles in eighth, and then the Phillies have the ninth best chance to win the World Series, 3.2%. Now, I don't exactly know what it was the past couple years, um, but I'd be surprised if the Phillies had better odds in 2022. They might have had better odds last year with the addition of Trey Turner and coming off of a World Series appearance and a loss to the Astros. But, I mean, ninth best odds to win the World Series isn't bad. Uh, nearly a 60% chance to make the postseason isn't bad. And I wouldn't expect the Phillies to have more than a 3 or 4% chance to win the World Series based on this. There's just so many good teams in baseball right now. The only thing that bothers me is the fact that they've got a 7.4% chance to win the division. 
I mean, you look at all the other teams around them, right? So the top 15 teams that potentially win the World Series are Braves, Dodgers, Astros, Yankees, Mariners, Rays, Twins, Orioles, Phillies, Blue Jays, D-backs, Cardinals, Rangers, Cubs, Mets, in that order. The only team in the top 15 who has less of a chance to win their division is the New York Mets, and they're 15th. Like, the other teams around the Phillies who have a 7.4% chance to win their division. The Cardinals, 38% chance to win the division. Diamondbacks, 11, and they're in the division with the Dodgers. Blue Jays, 14%. They're in with the Yankees and the Rays. I mean, then the Orioles. Like, I, I just I don't understand how the NL East is so locked up by the Atlanta Braves. This almost makes me feel better about the Philadelphia Phillies' chances to win the division because this feels Titanic-esque, right? If that makes sense. Like, when you say something is unsinkable, it's going to sink. Like, when you say someone's got a 87.8% chance to win their division, they're going to find a way to lose it. I, I just, whenever you're so confident, it's that whole idea of when you see people, like, on national pregame shows, everybody picks the same team, <laughs> bet against that team, they are losing. Consensus, somehow in sports, leads to controversy all the time. And not all the time, but a lot of the time. And I, I don't know. I just feel that Fangraphs is way too high on the Braves as far as that's concerned. And the Phillies are getting some respect to make the postseason, but they're not getting as much respect to continue their postseason success or to win the division in the regular season. I say, guess what? Bring it on. Let's get it. I'm cool with being underdogs. Very comfortable with that here in the city of Philadelphia. And that's what the Phillies are in the NL East, according to our friends over at Fangraphs there. So some very interesting numbers. Let me know what you think. Uh, are they spot on? Are they giving too much love to the Braves like I think they are? You can let me know in the comments to this episode, and uh, we'll, we'll see what you think. But I think they're being way too kind to the Atlanta Braves and disrespectful of the Philadelphia Phillies when it comes to the NL East race and maybe even the World Series odds. Coming up, today's the anniversary of something else. Not just we had the anniversary of the Eagles Super Bowl a couple days ago, which is a big Philly sports event, but a big trade for the Philadelphia Phillies between them and the Miami Marlins for a catcher you might be very familiar with. We're going to talk about it coming up as we continue today's episode of Locked on Phillies. All right, let me tell you about FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I mean, you can bet on the coin toss. You can bet on the Gatorade color. You can bet on the number of the first touchdown score. A whole bunch of different stuff. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or even three, or four. You can keep going. I mean, not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which players to score a touchdown, how many points are going to be scored, and like I told you, there's a billion more bets. So new customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Make a $5 bet tonight, win that bet, $200 in bonus bets, you could use it on the Super Bowl on Sunday. So just visit Fandle.com slash locked on to sign up. Again, that's Fandle.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fandle, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Today is a very special anniversary for the Philadelphia Phillies, at least in this era, because today is the day back in 2019 that the Philadelphia Phillies traded for JT Romito. 
The Miami Marlins had an all-star catcher. The Philadelphia Phillies had the second coming of Pedro Martinez, and they said, hey, swap. And the Marlins said, okay. It was a trade that, if you forget the exact parameters of the trade, Jorge Jorge Alfaro, easy for you to say, Jorge Alfaro, who was a catching prospect at the time for the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, he was up in the minor leagues. I believe he might have played some at the major league level. Uh, Yeah, actually, no, he did play at the major league level before that because he had some time with the Phillies. So uh, he was one of those guys who was a young player for the Phillies and a solid catcher, I guess, for a young guy that had just broken into the major league scene. And Sixto Sanchez, who was like what Andrew Painter is now, that's what Sixto Sanchez was. However, mate, what was that, five years ago, 2019? Yeah, five years ago. Now, Painter is a little bit more proven, I feel, but again, we'll see how he deals with this Tommy John surgery that he got and the recovery to that. Sixto Sanchez was a guy that people called him the next coming of Pedro Martinez, and he was a untouchable prospect. I'll put quotation marks around that, untouchable prospect. And the Philadelphia Phillies end up trading him for JT Rubino. And I'd say that trade – Worked out pretty darn well. Sixto Sanchez has been a non-factor at the major league level. Injuries have plagued his career. He still has time to figure some stuff out, I suppose, but it's just not realistic for him to equal what JT Romuto has done since coming to Philadelphia. Jorge Alfaro did more for the San Diego Padres than he did for the Miami Marlins, and even that doesn't remotely come close to JT's numbers. Listen to this. Since he's been traded to Philadelphia, JT Romuto was an all-star in 2019, and 2021. Listen to these batting averages as a catcher every year. 275 and 19, 266 in 2020, shortened season, 263 in 2021, 276 in 2022, 252 in 2023, a bit of a down year. But I mean, you look at some of the power numbers too. Those are solid averages for a catcher who's as good as he is defensively. One of the best, if not the best at throwing runners out. You're also looking at a guy who hit 25 homers in 19, We'll skip the 2020 shortened season, 17 in 2021, 22 in 2022, and 20 this past year. He's cleared 20 home runs three times in five seasons since being traded here as a catcher who's great defensively. I mean, RBIs, he's right in the 70 to 80 range most years. I mean, this is a guy that has been one of the better offensive options behind the dish in baseball since he's been traded. He was good in Miami, really good in Miami, but – As far as these numbers, he's had some career years in Philadelphia, and he's been consistent for a lot of the time. This past year, he had a down year. But the JT Ramuda trade, are you kidding me? Would I do it again? Absolutely. (laughs) How could you not? The Marlins have to feel so dumb for making that trade. Like, I'm sorry, Miami, but the decisions that franchise has been making have been miserable the past couple of years. Well, past, I don't know, half decade, more than that. And the J. Trumito trade is just another one. This is one of those trades that's like, we're going to remember that one as one of the great trades in Phillies history. You gave up what amounted to essentially nothing in the grand scheme of it. All due respect to Ore Alfaro, who's made himself a solid Major League Baseball player. All due respect to Sixto Sanchez, who is a talented player, but injuries really cost him the opportunity to make impact to this point. And then there was another minor league arm in there somewhere that never really made anything of himself uh, at the major league level, at least. Like I don't mean to be disrespectful to these guys, but when you compare him to JT Romito, who was probably four of the last five seasons the best catcher in baseball, 
it's just it's not close. It's not remotely close. The Philadelphia Phillies absolutely fleece the Miami Marlins. So that part of the conversation is over. Now, here's the question. Is this on the five-year anniversary of the Phillies trading for J.T. Romito, a time where the Philadelphia Phillies need to begin to develop a succession plan for J.T. Romito? I think the answer to that is yes. Now, was 2023 a down year? It absolutely was. Do I think he's going to have a bounce back here in 2024? Marginally, yes. I think he will have a better season, but I don't know how much better it will be. Like, he will be more the J.T. Romito we saw in the first four years in Philadelphia than this last year, which was a really rough season for him at points. But at some point, he's going to start to wear. He's not going to be as good defensively. He's not going to be good as good offensively. And you're going to have to find someone to succeed J.T. Romito. So five years of top-level play out of a catcher is really, really good to get. To get peak-level play out of a catcher for six, seven, eight years, they become like in the conversation of Hall of Fame-level talent at that position. Could J.T. Romito do that? Certainly possible. I mean, he had two great years before getting traded from Miami, so that seven-year window might already be closed. But he's not completely out of the realm of being a talented catcher and being in the conversation for best of his position. But he's 32. He's going to turn 33 coming up here in just like a month and change. So that's kind of the place where catchers start to fall off, that 33-34. Here's what I can't have, right? I love JT, but I can't have the Yadier Molina victory lap just sitting back there. He can't throw anybody out anymore. He can't hit. Like, I I, I can't do that. I, I like JT Romito, but I want this team to be competitive. And if he starts to have a decline in the next year or two, you need to have an option. I don't think it's Garrett Stubbs. I don't think it's Rafael Marchand. I don't think that option exists in the minor leagues. So maybe another trade coming for a catcher in the next couple of years. Maybe you're going to have to go draft somebody highly that you like at that position. I don't know how the Philadelphia Phillies do it. But you're going to have to, if you're Dave Dombrowski, on your to-do list, it's going to be decide when we need to have a true backup to JT Romuto, a long-term solution. I think that's something that you're going to have to really start to think about at this point in time. If you're going to continue to be competitive throughout Bryce Harper's time here in Philadelphia, throughout Trey Turner's time here in Philadelphia, throughout Aaron Nola's time here in Philadelphia. I mean, you got some guys that are here for the long haul and you got to try and keep that window open while players like Harper and Turner are here. And that means having succession plans for guys like JT Romito getting up there plays a very physical position plays a lot of innings. But all that being said, again, this is not a knock on Jay Trimito. I think he has a bounce back year this year, marginally. And this trade is one of the greatest in the history of the Philadelphia Phillies. You got an all-star level, best of this position player for guys that didn't pan out at the major league level. And you flat out fleeced a division rival to do it. You got to do that trade 10 times out of 10. And credit to the Philadelphia Phillies for making that trade and doing what they needed to do on this day back in 2019. So shout out J.T. Romito. Uh, happy anniversary of coming to a winning organization rather than that one down there in Miami. Uh, coming up as we wrap up, it's 50 days till opening day. And one of my all-time favorite athletes is at number 50 in our countdown. We'll get to it as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on Phillies. 
He is a World Series champion. He made the All-Star game once in his career, one time. And he threw about as hard as I threw when I pitched at the Division Three level of college baseball. And that is why he was a guy that I always loved. So if you're not familiar with what we're doing in our final segments of every episode, we're counting down to opening day. Opening day is March 28th, and we have 50 days until the Phillies will play their first regular season baseball game. It'll be great. I can't wait for that to get there. And what we're doing is we're picking the best Philly to wear that jersey number for each day we have until opening day. And today, number 50, another easy pick. We had Ricky Batalico at 52. We had Chooch yesterday, Carlos Ruiz at 51, a fan favorite. And this guy, he was my favorite baseball player before I had, like, before Roy Halladay came around. Or, like, Roy Halladay is now my all-time favorite baseball player. But this was the initial my favorite guy that I can remember relating to the most. And he wore number 50 for the Philadelphia Phillies. And that would be one Jamie Moyer, the ageless wonder. Jamie Moyer is one of the more interesting figures in baseball in the modern era. The guy just had like a four billion year career. He never really threw all that hard. He was just a guy that if there's somebody that I can point to where I say that guy knew how to pitch, not that guy had a live arm, not that guy had great stuff, not that guy had God given talent. No, knew how to pitch understood the way to attack hitters as well as anybody I've ever watched play the game. And that's why he could do it forever when he was throwing in the seventies at the end of his career. And I'm not talking about off speed, no fastballs in the high seventies. You see guys throwing in the low eighties at the division three level of college baseball. And Jamie Moore is out there in the major league level, just dicing guys up, throwing as slow as can be. It's, Unbelievable. And I was never a flamethrower. And I was a guy that I really, really respected how Jamie Moore went about his craft. And that's why I got to pick him for number 50 on the countdown. And also, come on, 2008 World Series champion with yours, the Philadelphia Phillies. So, I mean, he's on the World Series winning team. He's a one time all star. He's a personal legend of mine. Like, yeah, that's a guy that's got to be at number 50 on the countdown. As we get lower, there's going to be more players who wore these jerseys and it's going to be tougher to decide, but the first three have been relatively easy ones. So uh, shout out Jamie Moore. We are Jamie Moyer days away from opening day for the Philadelphia Phillies. And tomorrow we'll let you know who's 49 in the countdown. Kind of a weird number. I don't even have a 49 off the top of my head, Uh, but also apologize to Orion Kirkman who wore 50 this past year. Not quite enough, buddy. Uh, Jamie Moore has a couple more innings on you at the major league level uh, before you get to his status. But, yeah, fun little countdown exercise that we're doing. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And we got plenty more Phillies talk coming tomorrow. Pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's Day, which is right around the corner. So as we draw closer, we'll have more looks at spring training and who to watch as far as storylines for spring training. We did some of that in yesterday's episode. We'll do more before everyone gets down there to Clearwater. So a lot more stuff to come on Locked on Phillies the rest of the week, but that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for checking us out. Again, please make sure you're rating and reviewing wherever you consume the podcast or subscribe into the YouTube. It really helps me out. It really helps Locked on out. It gets you notifications when new episodes are posted. That's like a win, win, win. So if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time on the next episode of Locked on Phillies.